0: tonight's reading is Philippians and it's on page 1181 and it's four and we're starting at verse 10. Thanks for their gifts. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. <clears throat> Indeed you were concerned but you had no opportunity to show it. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me and more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts, What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Ephroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Final greetings. Greet all God's people in Christ Jesus. The brothers and sisters who are with me send greetings. All God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ with your spirit. Amen. This is the Word of the Lord
1: Thank you, Sally Ann. please do keep that passage open in front of you. Um, you might find it useful there 's an outline in the, uh, the notice sheet, um, but let me begin with a word of prayer. God our Father, thank you so much for your word and We do pray now as we look at it together that the Holy Spirit would be our teacher and our guide. For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. A poem by Jason Lehman, who was just aged 14. It was spring, but it was summer I wanted. The warm days and the the great outdoors. It was summer but it was fall I wanted the colorful leaves and the cool dry air It was fall but it was winter I wanted the beautiful snow and the joy of the holiday season It was winter but it was spring I wanted the warmth and the blossoming of nature I was a child but it was adult i want adulthood i wanted the freedom and respect i was 20 but it was 30 i wanted to be mature and sophisticated i was middle aged but it was 20 i wanted the youth and the free spirit i was retired but it was middle aged i wanted the presence of mind without limitations. My life was over. I never got what I wanted. I never got what I wanted. Do you feel like that? Do you feel like life is like that? Do you feel that you've been somehow dealt a a bad hand? Well, if that's you this evening... You will not be alone, for this world is full of discontent. And Paul, in this passage, gives us an insight on how we can handle our discontent. And firstly, he shows us that contentment, contentment is found in thanksgiving. That's our first point. In verse 10, Paul expresses his gratitude. He says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Paul is simply saying thank you, isn't he, for the gifts sent from Epaphroditus, as mentioned there in 18, verse 18. And he's thankful not just because they've supplied physical uh, needs, but because they've expressed a fellowship with him. Verse 14 as well, it says, Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Paul and the Philippian church had a a relationship, a special relationship, a, a special partnership. We've been hearing about those kind of things. And he wanted to thank them. Thanking people is actually really important. But Paul also doesn't want them to misunderstand his thanksgiving. I wonder whether you noticed how as soon as he expresses his thanks... He follows it up by qualifying his thanks. You notice verse 10. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. And in verse 11, he says, I am not saying this because I want, uh, because I was in need. Again, in verse 16, you get the same thing. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than any other, uh, when I was in need. And in verse 17 goes on to say, not that I desire your gifts. Do you see what he's doing here? He's very, very grateful, yes. And he wants to give thanks. But he's very keen that it didn't sound like a plea for more. He's avoiding any sense of manipulation. But he does want them to know what a sound investment that they have made. Verse 17, not that I desire gifts. What I desire is that, that more be credited to your account. That's what he's interested in. He's interested in their um, eternity. He's saying, he, Philippians, you've made a sound investment, a wise investment in eternity. And Paul's thankful. He's overflowing with thanks to God and in all circumstances, in the here and now, even. Verse 11 For I've learned to be content, whatever the circumstances contentment therefore begins it grows out of this thankful heart when we stop and look and see how many things we have to give thanks to god for so much to give thanks for our loving heavenly father contentment begins with thanksgiving but secondly contentment is grounded in the sufficiency of the lord jesus first 12. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want. What is this secret that he's on about here? Paul had experienced, you see, being rich and poor. He knew what it meant to be well-fed, but he also knew what it meant to be hungry. He'd experienced it. So, for example, if we go back to Acts, he knew what it was to meet Lydia, for example, in Philippi. She was a, a wealthy woman. She was a, a, a traded in purple cloth who converted to Christianity. And Acts 16 tells us that she invited Paul to her house. She was a wealthy woman, no doubt, had ensuite rooms, I suspect, and uh, you know, matching furniture and um, all the rest of it. And rooms with a view. She was a wealthy woman. He'd experienced that, of being welcomed into that. But just a few days later, in Philippi, a crowd uh, attacked Paul, and he was seized by the magistrate, beaten, thrown in prison. I suspect no towels, no bed, no rooms with a view. He doesn't say, oh, why can't I be back in Lydia's house. No, he's not intoxicated as it were by things anymore. He's not trapped by his comforts. Some years ago I was getting the train from Birmingham back to uh, Carlisle and one of the customer service managers uh, was a man that um, I married um, a year before. He of course, insisted that I moved up to first class. I thought, well, why not? <laughs> it doesn't happen very often. And he, he ushered me into first class. And I thought, this is great. <laughs> Snacks galore. So, and, uh, so I, I feasted from Birmingham um, all the way back to Carlisle. Uh, sandwiches. Even free headphones they gave me. It was great. I'm not used to these sort of things. But I, I became intoxicated by the experience. I think it was the multimillionaire John D. Rockefeller who said, when asked, how much money does it take to make a man happy? He replied, just a little bit more than he has. Of course, the next time I got on the train... I was back in standard class and I was missing the trappings of the first class that I'd experienced. I was instinctively disliking those who were in first class and I hated to be back here with the riff-raff. My heart was dreadfully discontented. How does Paul rise above This. What is the secret of his contentment? Well, Paul uses uh, an unusual word for the word content here. It actually literally means to be self-sufficient, self-sufficiency. And it was borrowed um, from Stoic, the Stoics, and uh, Andrew mentioned them earlier. Uh, They were a group of pagan philosophers at the time. Their philosophy on circumstances was to endeavour to have nothing to do with them, to kind of rise above them as if they weren't there. They were above and beyond circumstances, a bit like what we would say, a stiff upper lip. But that's not what Paul had in mind here. Rather, the contentment he was talking about is grounded in the sufficiency of the Lord Jesus Christ. Just as verse 13 says... I can do all this through him, through Christ who gives me strength. The secret of contentment was found by submitting our heart, our body, our mind, our soul to the will of God through Christ. No matter of the circumstances, when the secret is in place, then verse 13 makes sense, doesn't it? Paul is not saying, I can do absolutely anything and everything that I put my mind to it, is he? He's not saying, uh, I'm no good at Sudoku puzzles, but Philippians 4.13 tells me I can do all things and everything through him who gives me strength. That's not what he he means, is it? Philippians 4.13 is saying, by being full of Christ's strength, I can be humble in prosperity, I can hold loosely to the trappings of, Of this world, I can be calm in adversity when the money is running out. If I have to downsize my world, my house, my world will not fall apart. That's what he's saying. Contentment is grounded in the Lord Jesus Christ. And lastly, contentment is learned. And practiced daily. Notice that word learned in verse 11 and 12. For I have learned to be content. Verse 12. I have learned the secret of being content. Contentment isn't something that comes naturally, is it? I mean, it isn't. It has to be learned. We're prone uh, to compare ourselves with others. To always want more. To interpret other good, others' good fortune ...as coming at our expense. Contentment, therefore, must be learned. But what does it mean to learn contentment? Paul learned this, I think, when he first became a a Christian, when he was converted. If you you look back in chapter 3, where he talks about becoming a Christian, he says in verse 7... ...but whatever were gain to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ... What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. When Paul became a a Christian, his life was radically reorientated. The Stoics believed in a kind of rising above their circumstances, a kind of mind over matter. And that's often, isn't it, how we try to approach our discontent. We try to put it out of our minds. Or we say, don't we, we try to put it to the back of our minds. But Paul is not saying that. It's not about us doing away, as it were, with our desires and our motives, but reorientating them towards Christ and knowing him, the one who will give us ultimate satisfaction, ultimate joy, ultimate contentment when paul says he's learned the secret of contentment he's not saying that christianity is some sort of super spiritual exercise learning not to desire learning not to be motivated no it's perfectly natural for us to desire to fulfillment and purpose in our lives and paul is learned that when he was first converted he learned it the rest of his life, he learns then to work it out, each in each and every circumstance. And so the thrust of what Paul's letter to the believers should be to live it out. Live out what you already have and know in Christ Jesus. If we're Christians here tonight, we have already learned, in, if you like, the secret of, of contentment. You already know eternity is secure in Christ. But the trouble is, as, as C.S. Lewis um, put it so beautifully, he says, the trouble for us is that we're fooling about with success, wealth, property, when infinite joy is offered us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum, because he cannot imagine What it is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea? We are far too easily pleased. This kind of learning isn't the learning of the aesthetic, the kind of the monk approach, who goes through five spiritual steps to contentment. No, this is the challenge to live out what we already are, what we already are in Christ, no matter the circumstances. And the situations that we find ourselves. And Paul had learnt the secret. He goes on learning it in the present. And he will continue to learn it. The secret of contentment was to know Christ. To know the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. As he says in chapter 3. Christian contentment is grounded, isn't it? It's grounded in our union with Christ Jesus and so we need to know him know him not just in the head in our heads but in our hearts in our whole being then through him we'll have contentment so often we I think want sort of a a very pragmatic approach we're sort of so pragmatic don't we can you just give me the five step principles or the five step way of I can do it that's a pragmatic approach It's not like that. Five easy steps to contentment. That's not what Paul gives us. Paul just reminds us here that it is simply all about knowing Christ. Simply about knowing Christ, knowing him deeply, knowing his greatness, his his worth, knowing what he's done for us and knowing who he's made us and how he loves us. Let's pray. God, our Father, we, we know that we struggle with contentment. And Father, we come before you now praying that we would know the secret of being content, which is knowing Christ Jesus, knowing him more and more, knowing him more deeply, that he would satisfy us now and always, for we ask in his name. Amen.